Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. Ken, let's let's do this. I want to jump right into this because I'm very excited for today's guest. Uh, when we st- Bear with me for a minute during the intro because when we started this podcast, uh, this guest would have been on a very short list for me um for our uh for our best or our best guests that we could hope to get um i'm gonna set the scene for you chip it's 1996 i'm a freshman at penn state not the good one one of the shitty ones okay. uh penn state wilkes bear <laughs> okay and i was i was i was a freshman at uh not i was a freshman two hours uh, an hour south of you at muhlenberg college i was a year old Oh fuck! All right, you know what? And so I moved into uh, I moved into my apartment, and I met my roommate Jim, who remains one of my best friends to this day. And uh, first question out of his mouth is, "Do you like weed?" I say, "Yeah, of course." So a few minutes later, we're doing bong hits. Then he says, do you like going to concerts? I said, yeah, I'm a huge music guy. He says, well, uh, Bush is playing at an amphitheater right down the street. Uh, are you a Bush fan? I was like, they got a couple songs that are all right, I guess, but I'll go, I'll go see anybody. So we went to, uh, we go to see Bush and um, I couldn't tell you anything about Bush's performance that night because the opening band blew Bush off the stage. And uh, with songs that I'd never heard, they weren't songs I was familiar with. And it's it's tough to grab somebody's attention with music you don't know. And um, we were so blown out by this opening band within three or four songs. We kept looking at each other to make sure that we were understanding how good this live band was. And uh, the next morning, we both went out to the record store got the album of what we had just heard the night before. And uh, I don't think that album in 25 years has ever strayed that far from my rotation uh, or have any of their albums, really. Um, So I'm excited. That band was Toadies. And with us today is their lead singer, songwriter, guitarist, Vaden Lewis. Hello. Vaden, I know that was a long intro, but uh, that was I'm very, very nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. By, by the way, I thought it was well told the whole time. I thought you were going to say it was Crash Test Dummies, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> does it does it make you uncomfortable when when uh, people tell you that you blew the headliner off the stage? Uh, well, you know, I guess a little, but we were really. Uh, well, we still we still go for it. <laughs> so it's a nice thing to hear. Yeah, that always like um as as a comic that always makes me uncomfortable. If if and I've been on both sides of it where where I've had people tell me in front of, in front of the headliner that I was much better and then I've also heard people tell my opener that they were much better <laughs> than me. And um I'm oddly more comfortable with that. <laughs> But um, you're uh, so I, I'm not kidding. So we 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 saw you open for Bush and within three or four songs, you had you had two fans for life. Um, we, I've cool. followed your career. I've gotten all your albums. Um, 
I, I know you're out touring. It's It was, uh, well, two years ago was the 25th anniversary of Rubberneck. But, but Supposed to be, yeah. yeah COVID, <laughs> COVID pushed you back. Yeah. Um, but you're out, you're out touring it now and you're playing the album uh, every night. How, how's it feel to yeah. be back on the road? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's a really cool, re- like reacquainting with all those old songs and, you know, we still play the, there's a core of songs that we still play every show, regardless of what the set list is, but, uh, but doing digging into like velvet and, uh, you know, Mr. Love and some of those and getting the, trying to dial it in as close to the record as, as possible. That's, that's an interesting and cool exercise. Do you feel that the crowds are any different after COVID? Like, do you feel like they're more appreciative or that they're weird in any way, or are you just, you still doing what you do? Um, well, we, to back up a little bit, we went away in 2001, we broke up and then got back together in 2007, put out a record in 08. And, uh, when we came back out, uh, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, short-term memory on everybody. And, and, uh, and we came back out and people just went batshit. It was great. And it's kind of like that now. I think people are just so ready to get out self-included to get out and have fun and, you know, try to be safe, but like, it's just, uh, just not being around people is, it's a killer, man. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I like, Ken, I don't know if you realize that too. Like, I feel like the crowds have been so good. Yeah. Like stand up crowds have been so good since things have kind of opened up that I'm like, wow, I'm, I've gotten really good over these past two years of not doing comedy. <laughs> and like, I'm like, wow, I really, I'm at the next level of my career. And then I'm just waiting for like three or four months from now when people are just, not as excited to be out there and they're just gonna, all right, what else you got yeah they're back guy. to looking exactly. at their cell phones and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um i was reading Vaden, that you you started you worked in a record store and yeah. you were in a cover band and you didn't want to play cover songs anymore and um you wanted to start a band with your friends that worked at the record store with you Yes. And then I, I don't know if this is right, but I actually read that like you would to teach them how to play their instruments. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, our bass player, Lisa, she what you know, I thought, well, I'll teach you how to play bass. I'm, I'm just going to write, you know, the root note stuff. And that's how it started off. And so I taught her how to play bass like a guitar player. And because um, I don't know how to play bass. <laughs> and uh and uh, Charles, who at the time was the uh, lead guitar, he could play. He could play, and he was good. Uh, but he wasn't really a lead guitarist. He kind of like one time he asked me, "Is it?" He did this crazy, like insane noodly thing. I don't even know what he was doing. He goes, "Is that real or is that just bullshit?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where we went with it. Yeah. And did, you know, did you... The, just back to the record store, I thought this big experiment of getting signed to a major label and all that, I thought that's going to last, uh, I don't know, I'll have to record a kick-ass record. I'll get to make the record I finally want to make, and I'll get to go on some tours. And I'll get to see the, at least the United States and get to be a rock and roll guy for a while. And just then they'll drop us. 
and I'll come home because I'll always have a job at a record store. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that, was, that was my fallback. And by the way, I, I worked at a record store through college. It's it's not a terrible fallback at that age. I mean, those, those were some of the most fun days of my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Meet some cool people. And I mean, I was going to that record store like before I could drive. I would ride my bike over there and just go meet weird, cool people and find out about different kinds of music. Yeah. Is that record store still there? It is a liquor store. Okay. Oh, it's just as just as good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a lateral move. Yes, um, but uh, but uh, actually, one of the guys that I worked with there, Dan Leitner, uh, he did the cover art for Rubberneck, mm-hmm. uh, the Jumping Man, and uh, he that actual painting is now hanging in his new record store over here in Fort Worth called Panther City Vinyl. Oh, that's great! Uh, oh, I'm that's in there. Great. Yeah, I'm in there every at least once a month. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's really cool. It's a it's a kick-ass little record store. It's they got all the good stuff. That that album to me sounds like, you know, so like I in just doing research for this, um I I didn't know that you worked at a record store, but after finding all that out, Rubberneck makes sense to me because it it feels like it was made with the urgency of somebody who thought this is the only album I'm ever going to make. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and and you threw everything you had into it, and um, to to me, uh, for, for in my opinion, it's one of those rare perfect records where oh, there's thanks. there's there's no filler. Every song hits really hard, and it it just it makes it makes more sense to me now that that um, I know you read about some bands hold back material for second and third albums and. Uh, I didn't have any more material. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the album is, it's, it's funny. I remember, I I feel like people had a hard time labeling you, which was so important back in those days. They didn't know if you were grunge or alternative. Right. But it was just, it was rock. It was like people in the nineties forgot you can just be a rock band. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, it was, it was a weird between time with labels and like, you know, like labeling bands and categories. Uh, yeah. Alternative is kind of what we were called for the longest time, you know, and uh, I, I remember at the time a Madonna quote, I, I guess alternative music means you can't dance to it. <laughs> I, I kind of live by that, you know, that works. Um, uh, anyway, uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah. The radio stations were all in transition. You know, part of our drill in the van when we were just grueling it out on the road, uh, grinding it out. We would when we were rolling into a town, we had two objectives besides do the show and try to get on the radio there. We would um, first of all, we'd scan through the radio station that's supposed to be playing us and see if they're playing us. And inevitably, those were all one time rolling into Philadelphia, I heard us between uh, Fog Hat and Bad Company. <laughs> That's what was on the radio in the afternoon. It was like, 
you know, now it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, all, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that, now that actually makes sense. I, I bet you were listening to WISP. I'm, I'm in Philly now, and I, I bet okay. that was WISP in Philadelphia. That sounds exactly like their lineup. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, we'd get to into town and go to record stores and see if they had it in stock. And like mm-hmm. part of our deal was all that stuff. And speaking of that Bush tour, that's another thing we did that was just in hindsight – just ballsy as hell. Uh, we were in a van. On, we did two tours with Bush. First tour, we were in a van. And um, it, they had radio in every city. They had just a great promotion. And they had radio spots, interviews live on the radio and all this stuff. And so uh, they didn't have a ride a lot of times. And so, well, we got a van. And we would drive them over to the radio station. And then... We would walk in with them and say, we're the toadies, they're Bush. We're both here to be (laughs) interviewed (laughs) on the air. And we would make them, after Bush was done, interview us like, and put it on the radio. They're like, who does that? Oh, that's so smart, though. I mean, just to get a footprint in there. (laughs) That's great. Um, Now, do you have, when you're opening, especially back then, when you're opening for a band, do you have a certain goal or like do you go into it a certain way like you know obviously it's like the the arena or the venue is still sort of filling up and you want to get their attention is is there a certain aim that you have when you're opening for a band uh oh yeah for sure um steel fans yeah yeah that's that's the job man that's what an opening act is supposed to do and i in my opinion and uh you know it goes back to when we first started doing shows uh with other bands and then eventually doing our own shows in fort worth and dallas we my objective was you're not leaving here without our name in your hand with a flyer or a sticker you know something tangible that says the toadies on it and you're going to remember this name and that's that was like number one job and that stayed there and then when we started opening for other acts it was that was right up there with steal their fans yeah and I, I watched you that night. I remember we were looking around. I, I, I was watching you guys win fans over in real time. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, as Chip says, is, you know, it's like the, the place was still filling in and uh, people were, you know, there were no phones back then, but people were talking or their backs were turned. And, and I watched you guys were so balls to the wall rock and roll that you, you had everybody's attention you know, pretty quickly. Maybe, maybe it took oh. a couple songs, but by the end of it, you had everybody on your side. Awesome. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I went to the record store. I, I did, I skipped right over Bush, went right to the T's. Uh, you made me such a fan that night that it actually made me not care about Bush. Like I, <laughs> I, we, we could have left. We could have left after your set for all I cared. <laughs> and then, well, that was a that was a great opportunity and to to do those two tours with them, and I'm really amazed they had us out a second time because because uh, well we're a bunch of dicks a lot of times. <laughs> well, it it's it says something to them. It says something to them also. I think that's a credit to them. Sure. Um, when when you've got somebody that's really making you work like that, and and you keep them. Uh, that's I think that's a credit to to their own uh, confidence. Or, or maybe they're dumb. I know it's one or the other. <laughs> they're either super confident or just as dumb as you possibly could be. 
<laughs> but we, we've talked about, we see this with comics all the time. There, there's some big name headliners and they use, uh, they use what we call soft openers, you know, like guys they know aren't going to make them work too hard. Right. Right. And I, I don't, I never understood that. Yeah. But I remember being what, what I love so much about the album was I remember being almost a little apprehensive the first time I played it because I had just seen you the night before. And I remember thinking there is no way that they would have been able to catch that energy on a record. Uh, there's just no way it can translate. You see it all the time with, with bands that you love. They're, they're so great live and it just doesn't translate to record. And, um, I put on that album, you know, and Mexican Hairless starts the set. And within 10 seconds, I was like, oh, no, this is exactly what I heard last night. This is <laughs> awesome. I have I have nothing to worry about. This album awesome. is. Yeah, it's, that was the objective. That's why we picked uh, uh, Rob Schnopt and Tom Rothrock. They worked together back then uh, and they did a band uh, called Box Set by Wool. Mm -hmm. And it's like. It sounds like a goddamn rock band. It's just, that's what it sounds like. And it doesn't sound like any fluff. It, it sounds like straight up uh, first ACDC record. That's yeah. what I was shooting for. And, um, and you know, they had to trick me into sometimes doing like overdubs to double a, a vocal or a guitar line. And, and uh, you know, and I'm, it, I'm glad they did because it all works and it just sounds fantastic. But we were going for, I was going for, a live album. I want it to be as close to live as possible. In fact, uh, I come from the water. We were just getting sounds the very first day. And full disclosure, uh, it was Mendocino County, uh, speaking of weed. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so we were just off our asses and we were just getting sounds, you know, and fooling around. And we got the drums for, uh, for I come from the water and no click track, no nothing. That's just straight straight up having your shit together yeah no, so that was cool that's uh yeah rez uh is uh just the, one of the best drummers ever yeah i also liked uh i remember from from the videos i like any any dude that's prematurely gray is all right <laughs> yeah i feel like that dude's been gray in every video uh, uh, of yours i think that... he started going gray in high school honestly He's, yeah, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, that's his. Yeah, that's the Reyes, man. Um, also, when you're recording this and, and re, you know, really going for it, do, do you, did you have musical training growing up, especially like vocal training? Because, I mean, you really go for it. I, like, I'm assuming you really have to prepare your voice for that. So it's you're not just blowing it out every night, right? I appreciate that. And I got into where I do have to warm up and prepare it. But back then it was just jump in and go and just whatever strangled sounds come out is what it is. Um I had, uh, I'm self-taught as far as guitar and singing, and I had some, um, I took some junior college classes, community college classes uh, in theory and, you know, jazz and some other things to learn just everything I could about how to play the guitar better. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I just uh, um, jumped in like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's just, just weird. What, what were you listening to? Were you just listening to rock growing up? Like what was your big influence when you started playing? Um, when I first started playing, all we could get, well, all I knew of 
what was what was on the radio, which at the time was pretty kick ass. It was uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, ZZ Top. That's like the 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 foundation, I guess. And um, and then I heard, got turned on to the Cure, and then the big thing was the Talking Heads, and that just that just that just blew my mind. That's one of those uh, sea change records where it's like there's a whole song with no guitar solo. There's there's a different piece of music for every line of the verse. What the hell are we doing? And, you know, it just it really made me restructure how I even looked at music. And then the Pixies, the T-shirt you've got on the Pixies came along and they're like, oh, that's what I want to do. OK, that's, yeah, that's they they just put together what I was thinking. And it was just perfect. What I love, what I love about the album, what I think separates it from all the other albums of that era, especially during grunge, um, was that there was a sense of humor to it. Uh, I, it was dark. It was twisted. It was funny. It, it was somehow dark and joyful. You know, right. where, well, where yeah. so many of those grunge albums were just joyless right you know they were they were, yeah. they were great songs but they were joyless right yeah, they were, I, yeah. Man, I, uh, one of my uh, rock and roll icons is bon scott mm -hmm. and that guy was everything you were just saying it's like he's he's funny and dark and he was just that that's that's the spirit that right there that's just he's got one. the biggest balls of them all yes indeed yeah. <laughs> now, and by the way, speaking of that, because, you know, Ken and I were in like, you know, high school and college during this time. And, you know, grunge was a thing. Does that does that mean anything to you? That word like was that a thing back then, like to you? Or is that just a, a stamp that they put on a bunch of bands? I think it's a stamp, yeah. uh, you know, and it's like we fit in that category uh, now. Um, but uh yeah, at the time, grunge to me was just like the, the uh, I don't know, long hair, drop D, uh, complaining, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it was a lot of complaining. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't think Nirvana was grunge. I thought they were just kick-ass rock and roll. Yes. And, and maybe doing what I wanted to do better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the people. I mean, I'm that. Uh, never mind. I mean, there's there's moments on there that are um, almost like a pop record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with. Um, but um, yeah, your album was it, it was it was so funny to me, which which I appreciated, and 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 you did in some of these songs like Possum Kingdom or Tyler you took very unlikable main characters and you gave them uh, a very, very earnest feelings, you know, like Tyler's is, you know, about, I, I guess it's at best about a, a, a stalker following, following a woman and, and, and terrifying her. And, but it's so it's, it's what I loved about that album is, is what I like about good comedy. I, I love when comedy starts off really earnest and then you pull the rug out from under them with, with, uh -huh. a, with a dark left turn that, that you don't see coming. Like I remember the first time I heard Possum Kingdom and it's, um, 
you know, the, the first lines are make up your mind, decide to walk with me around the lake tonight. And you're like, oh, this is a fellow that likes nature and lakes and <laughs> long walks on the beach. Yeah, sure. he's, he's an outdoorsman. He just wants to take this lady for a walk. And then uh-huh. you're like, I'm not going to lie. I'll not be a gentleman. And then you're like, OK, so he's more forward than I thought initially. And then it's right to behind the boathouse. I'll show you my dark secret. And you're like, oh, well, that feels fucked up. i want to know more (laughs) well and then to find out later uh you know about the the whole fire thing and you know like you know coming coming through that like just to that makes it even crazier on on top of that which is which is so much fun and then ken and i were watching that uh the the documentary about the i think it was one of your bandmates made it that uh about the the dark stories the dark story yeah yeah clark clark uh yeah, edited that. It will shot it and edited it together. Yeah, he made it. And I love that story about, I think it was your grandparents about the, basically either the peeping Tom or the guy who was casing the different houses, like right. looking in windows. Did, did you ever find out more about that? Was that, was that real or was that just a legend that people were throwing around? I think it was just people talking a bunch yeah. of, bunch of country, a bunch of farmers basically just like yeah. talking it after church or whatever. And like, uh, but that's one of those songs I'm like, who would, who would do that? Who would be, you know, the, 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 the gist of it is like, Oh, there's this fellow walking around looking in windows. And like, even as a little kid of like, there's guns all over the place. Who in the hell would do this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. So, uh, I just thought, you know, and that was much later when I just, that kind of popped into my head. I'm like, what was that guy thinking? You know, what would, what would compare, you know, Assuming it's a real, let's just make him a real person. Yeah. yeah. And if that's real, what the hell's what's in this guy's head, you know, and what, what would make him compel him to just, to just risk his life. this way? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> oh, that's great. I saw, I, I watched an interview where you told me that um, people have, have come to you and told you that they've named their kid Tyler after yeah. that song, which, yeah feels you know strange to, <laughs> i'm sure that's got to be strange to hear but it's, I, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's weird <laughs> but, you I, know it's cool but it's it's weird I, I, now's the point where ken wants to introduce you to his five-year-old uh, daughter tyler yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. this is this is little possum kingdom yeah. this is this is this is a little sin um <laughs> But I also heard you say that people have got told you that they've gotten married to that song. And and uh, that's it's, it's amazing what people will will hear a song and make of it, which I guess has got to be pretty cool, too. It is really cool. And I like the sideline. I pretty early on, I just stopped trying to explain what my songs were about, because a lot of times, well, almost every time they were contrary to what people thought and it would piss people off. Um, and other times the stories that I heard were much cooler than the ones that I had written. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I was in a, uh, Oh, I don't know, uh, somewhere in like Corpus Christi or something. We had played some show and the, the dressing room uh, was a bar. It was like they had shut, there was a bar next door that they had just closed and, first off that's not a good idea to put a rock band in a bar <laughs> unattended that's just bad 
<laughs> so, uh, so some guy made his way in there and he, he sat down and he was like super drunk and like, uh, you know, he said, Hey man, I've been listening to, uh, to quitter a lot because I'm going through this breakup. My wife, you know, she left me and that song song really speaks to me. And I want to say, thank you. Just real earnest, real nice. And, uh, and I said, well, that's, uh, this I'm getting off topic totally. I'm sorry. That's but, okay. uh, no, that's great. That's exactly. uh, but um, I said, well, <laughs> she sounds like a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he said, fuck you, man. <laughs> he jumped up and wanted to kill me. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so that's why I don't, well, that has nothing to do with what a song's about, but that's a good story. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great story. Um, I, I, yeah, I loved how romantic and earnest you, you made these songs about dark, horrible people sound. You, you, you actually make them like you're almost you're rooting for the bad guy. Like you're, oh, I, I do hope they end up together, even though that means this lady's dead. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, just, he, he just loves her so much. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I just, I've, I've always gotten a kick out of, um, you know, either real pretty lyrics that are put with dark music or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It just, that just always appealed to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, uh, Jigsaw Girl is the most. Jigsaw Girl. Is blatant, like super pretty like oh this is so pretty i like the music it's so pretty how can i mess this up real hard yes <laughs> um yeah well even that like the first line again it's like you did the same thing the first time i heard that album you know like give me your hand and i will hold it forever and you're like oh and then it's <laughs> in a nightstand in a box with your love letters and it's like wait what <laughs> you're actually taking this lady's hand that seems that seems dark, but I, I could be totally wrong. But my interpretation of that song is uh, this guy chops his girlfriend maybe into pieces. And so that way she he, he can put her back together somehow. That's the idea. That's yeah. the idea. That never works, by the way. I feel like everything I've ever seen in movies, you can never put them back together <laughs> <laughs> just just the way they want. That's the lesson. Yes, that's the takeaway. That's why at the end of the bridge, the uh, the line, you gave me your hand. I don't understand why you don't want it back. Yes. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> I have to laugh inside every time I sing that. I love that. And I, speaking of cutting her up, is, is that an, uh, an Evil Dead poster behind you? That is a German uh, Evil Dead poster signed by Sam Raimi. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's, is that, awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Thomas Mignoni, who directed our first few videos, uh, got that for me. Yeah. So what was what was that process like? Obviously, you know, obviously the 90s MTV huge. Did you enjoy that process of making videos and how much input did you have into, you know, what came out? Uh, I had a lot of input, um, but no, I did not enjoy it. I like I never had MTV as a kid. I mm -hmm. barely had a radio as a kid. And uh so um, I, I didn't understand. I still music videos. I get it, but it's not my preferred medium. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and at the time, I was like, this is just something. It's an advertisement for the record, and that's how I had to approach it. And I'm like, I'm just going to make it as 
you know, like the record itself, make it as messed up as I can and just try to have fun with it. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not an actor. I don't, you know, it's just not my jam. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Thomas is great about working with ideas and, um, you know, just, uh, he would take an idea and just would spitball it and talk on the phone all night and work it out. So, um, you guys famously, you, you record your follow-up album to Rubberneck and Interscope rejects it. They rejected it after approving it, which is really, uh, that's just cool. Only major label over there. We, we got <laughs> approval to go in the studio. We started recording and then they heard the initial super duper rough mixes, like not even completed recordings. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to our just just aces management that we had at the time. <laughs> they, uh, they decided to pull the plug. And so there's 300 grand down the toilet. Let's just start over. Jesus. You know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a long gap in between rubberneck and uh, hell below stars. There's almost like a seven or eight year gap because you would just scrap an entire record. Yeah, and I, years, yeah. yeah, and I remember Rubberneck had never left my rotation. I was so like eagerly anticipating your next album, and then just years went by, and I was working in a record store, and you know, like every week you would get the list of of what new releases are coming, and I remember seeing uh, your follow up finally coming. What was it, two thousand one? Yeah, I think. And um, I was so excited, but again, I had that same when the album finally arrived and, and I, I, I got it the, the day it came out. Um, I had that same sort of, like it's been so long, the music landscape had totally changed from, from Rubberneck to, to the second album. Like now it's, it's all like rap metal, new metal. It's like Limp, right, Limp right. Biscuit and Corn. That's that's what everybody was listening to. And I I was worried, like, are they going to change their style? Are they going to try to adapt to this? And I... I Who's their DJ going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Why are none of them dressed as clowns? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember putting it on and then, you know, Plane Crash, the opening song, starts with you screaming and again like the second i heard that scream i was like oh this is the toadies are back and this is this record's going to be great and um i have to tell you i think that it is a criminally underappreciated album like i i really in fact i I go back and forth like it, it may even be my favorite of your albums like that's that's the one that i still go back to the most well, thanks, man. That was a lot of fun to make, man. Um, yeah, well, we put the record out and then uh, we had a, a band member quit in the middle of promoting it. And uh, that just kind of after the thing with the manager that I mentioned and some other stuff, just the this the this whole thing became uh, less of a fun thing to do and more of a job. And I'm like, you know, it always was a job. I realize that now. Yeah. <laughs> But at the time, I was like, oh, I don't want a job. I don't want to have to, you know, what the hell is that? This is no fun anymore. So I just, we just stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, we were in the middle of promoting it with with no help from the label, very little help 
from the label. And just like the first record, it was just the same grind over and over again. And uh, But, you know, it worked before and we were ready to make it happen again. I was anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that kind of put the kibosh on that whole record. It was, it's yeah. too bad. It was it was such a great album. And you did you did tour it a little because if my memory serves correct, I I saw you guys. You did tour that album for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I the, the night before my college graduation, I saw you, I wanna say at Irving Plaza. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah. And um I was still drunk by the time I had to walk. <laughs> I'd stayed out and uh, I was I wasn't even hung over from my graduation. I'm pretty sure I, I was still drunk. And uh, <laughs> but I was I remember everybody telling me, like, you can't go see a concert the night before your graduation. You have to you have to rest. And I was like, no, you don't understand. It's the toadies. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting almost a decade to see them again. So uh, that's such a cool venue, too, man. Yeah. Possible. Yes. Yeah, and I, I saw you're you're coming back to it, right? For uh, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. If you're if you're out there and you're listening and you've never seen the Toadies, uh, I can't implore you enough to to get tickets and just go see a kick ass live rock band. Um, the song uh, "Hell Below," "Stars Above," which is one of my favorite songs on that album. It's it just it feels so different than anything else that you've done. Like I don't know why. I don't know if it's the the backup vocals almost feel like a little operatic to like it almost feels like a queen song to me in, in some yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And um but is if I'm reading it right, is it about a guy who his girl leaves him for another guy and he's just so happy for her that she's in love again that he's well, yeah, I mean, I'm having to revisit that song now in my mind. Um, it, it's sort of like the, uh, well, the whole gist of that album, of the song title and the album title is having, uh, like you mentioned, the rug being pulled out from under you, like below you, there's just not good things. And above you is like nothing to grab onto. So you're just kind of like, uh oh. That's that's the vibe I was going for, like, you know, this this state of transition and not knowing what's going to happen. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, yeah, it does. Um, it, it makes it's not quite what I thought, but I there there's a, there's some lines in it, something like um, uh, treat him like I know you can, stroke his cheek and hold his hand, like it almost like to me that's the craziest character you've come up with yet. Like that, <laughs> that dude's crazier than the stalkers and the murderers. Like some guy that just wants, like just loves this girl so much that he just wants her to be happy with another guy. I'm like, no, like go, don't take that shit. Go kill her. Like the rest of the songs. <laughs> Can you be happy to see her leave with somebody? And that's been our interview, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks everybody for coming out. This <laughs> You're a toadies song. Don't be happy for this lady. <laughs> Man, I wish I could. God damn it. I wish I could remember the name of the woman that sang on that. Uh, we were in New York. I was in New York doing the mixing and, and we had actually gotten uh, some of Stevie Nicks backup vocalists on the 
recording when we were in LA and it just wasn't, it was too, too nice. It was just too, too perfect. And so, uh, I was talking to Andy Wallace about it and, uh, um, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, so he knew a, a, a lady and she's a reverend and she came in. It was just the best to work with. And that's all one person. Just just take after take, just killing it. Yeah, it's 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 a great song that doesn't sound like anything else that you've done. Um, and then you so you guys break up. So Lisa quits the band and and then you break up. Was that must have been a surprise to her, right? That, that you, uh, I don't that, know. Uh, the rest of the band, the other guys were like, yeah, I expected once I heard her say that. Yeah. You know, um, because, yeah, she was the she was there from Jump Street from the, you know, before we had a name. Yeah. And um, then you form the Burden Brothers. Yeah. Which to me. Every bit as good as the Toadies. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I remember going online. You know, this was back before phones and Google so much. I remember going online trying to figure out, like, what had happened to your band. And then I stumbled on. I ordered all those Burden Brothers uh uh packages you know with oh, the, wow. with, with the eps yeah. yeah i still have the the shot the eight ball shot glass at home and <laughs> cool. um, those songs were a good dark um definitely more joyful um like celebratory um you had a you you caused me to work back. You forced me to work backwards. Like you you turned me on to to different music through reading interviews about um when you when you put out uh, Lucinda Williams can't let go. Right. Yeah. I went. I heard you do that, and I was like, well, that song is so great. Now I have to go check out Lucinda Williams. And cool. yeah, yeah. You guys have done that uh, for a couple bands with me. Um, Pixies hear, hearing you do Where's My Mind and, you know, then working backwards. Um, but the Burden Brothers were, is, are there any plans to, uh, would you ever release any, any of that music? I know that you, you put out the studio album, two studio albums and a live album, but those, that stuff that was on the EPs, I guess what I'm asking is I, I, I lost I those somewhere along that, yeah. the way. So I, mean, I didn't know where those uh, masters would even be. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, you, you. You can't find like the like the studio versions of Queen of Spades and um, uh, Dirty Sanchez. By the way, I didn't know what a Dirty Sanchez was. You 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 forced <laughs> me to look that up also. Uh-huh. In, in the days before Google, I think I had to ask Jeeves. I played him the demo for that before we recorded it. And uh, or maybe it was when we were recording the album, uh, like a rough mix. And he said, oh, now you're going to have to sing that every night. And I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought it was pretty funny, but no, huh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was like a great you did like a country version of Walk uh-huh. Away. Oh, man, I, I loved those EPs. I, I burned them all and put them on one disc at the time. 
and then uh, somewhere, some on one of my moves, they they must have gotten lost. Um. So Burden Brothers, you put out a couple albums, and then you've been putting out Toadie's albums consistently pretty much since like 2007, 2008, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're uh they're great. I remember like every t- I don't know why just with your band every time I'm so worried like oh they, they I think they're going to have lost a step by now. It's been too long. And I remember it's always the first song that I'm I'm always instantly like, "Oh no, this is this is Toadies. This sounds just like them." Oh, cool. I yeah. remember hearing that with um No Deliverance was was uh was another great album and then your last album um the lower side of uptown mm-hmm. um that to me feels like a return to the first two albums was, was it in tone and um music was that a deliberate choice uh no um that's a cool observation though um yeah we had just come off doing heretics the kind of unplugged mm-hmm like the NPR version of the toadies or whatever you want to call it. And um, so my intention was to go into the next record, whatever it was going to be with a mix of the uh, unplugged and electric sort of our Led Zeppelin three or whatever record yeah. that is where it's, you know, um, yeah. and, um, and it turned into like, there's an acoustic guitar on one song, I think, <laughs> but uh, um, no, it was just a, it was just a, see what we can get i i've uh it's kind of gotten into well very comfortable with going in the studio with with uh this producer uh, Frenchy smith in austin and we would go in with a core of, an, of ideas like some riffs maybe one or two completed songs and uh just go in and start just sit down and start writing songs and it's that's how the last two or three Toadies albums were done just in the studio, having fun and seeing what we can get, as opposed to the first two records were all mapped out, dialed in, rehearsed 100 um, percent, you know, just go in there and do it two, two times, maybe three. And then you got your part, you know, it's a different vibe. It's, I would imagine it's um, more fun that way. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, and um, the the reasoning for that, or initially for going in and having it so lockstep, was just because everything was on tape, and it's so damn expensive to go do that. And uh, so, but then once everything went digital and it all got dialed in, where it actually sounds good, which took a little while, um, then it's like it kind of frees you up to to spend a little more time on it and just have fun. Um, we are actually, uh, I'm, I'm writing uh a new record and we hope to go in later this year and we are hoping to do old school like rehearse it all top to bottom maybe do a few shows on it and then go in and just knock it out oh i hope so yeah um and you play a lot you're you're mostly um you play in texas an awful lot which has got to be it's got to be great, right? Like, um, how how close are these? Like, I always see you um, at Billy Bob's. 
Yeah, Billy Bob's. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right here in town. Oh, yeah. So that's there's got to be nothing better than that, right? You, you do a show yeah. and you're back in bed. How quickly? Well, a, a nice hotel room, but yeah. then I'm back at the next But uh, no, it's great. I mean, uh, yeah, Texas is huge, so a lot of these shows are are not close. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Texas is is kind of our our bread and butter. We kind of route, you know, route our tours if we do like we're planning to do for this big tour coming up. We'll we'll probably do a a leg, start off in Texas, do a leg, come back, route through Texas, go off and do the other side of the country and then come back to Texas. It's kind of like it's it's good for the uh, it's good for the spirit to get in front of your home people for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I I would imagine. Um and then where where else is your tour taking you? I know you're coming oh, to I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I've got everything on my phone and that's about all I know. Um, I don't know, but it's going to be a long one. And so we're going to go, go out and hit it hard. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited. I knew you guys are playing Asbury park, uh, stone pony, which is 10 minutes from me. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, my tickets, October 23rd, we have a big following here in Asbury. So, um, definitely get tickets to see these guys. Um, I love Asbury Park, man. I remember going through there because you know the drill. You've been there for a while, so yep. right. So yep. it's uh, it was sketchy, man, in the nineties and yes. like, and uh, kind of terrifying and like uh, you know we're. I think the first time we played the pony was uh, what do we, in the van, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do we what do we do uh, until the doors open? I mean, what do, what's there to do around here? Like sit in your van and watch your stuff. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. I would even and keep an eye on it from the stage. Back <laughs> yeah. then, if you can. And now it's like, it's really great seeing it get all built up. We played that. Oh, what's the giant, uh, convention letting tour with, uh, with butthole surfers and, uh, that big, big venue right there. On yeah. The, the uh, con- the convention center. So it looks like a high school gym inside, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's inside, right on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, anyway, it's just great seeing all the stuff come back. It's yeah. They've they've come. I remember um, right before COVID breaking out. I've my daughter's six, and we went to uh, I, we we went right on the boardwalk, and uh, she wanted hot dogs, and it was like two hot dogs and a fries. And two drinks was like $29 or something. <laughs> and I turned to her. I was like, this means nothing to you, but this town is back more than they ever could have hoped for. Like, <laughs> yeah. We are all the way back. Uh, 30 years ago, this money would have gotten us um, shot. <laughs> so... Um, Vaden, I know that uh, I, I I know you got to get out of here. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. This this really was you. You were on a very short list for me uh, of, awesome. of well, people that, that I wanted to chip. Is there anything you wanted to ask before we get out of here? 
just one last thing, you know, Possum Kingdom has become such a huge song. And I, I, I would assume that when you have a song like that, it sort of gets away from you. Like it's it's almost like not yours anymore. It's just everybody knows it. it's out there. Have you ever has there ever been experience where you've obviously with copyright, you probably know ahead of time, but like the weirdest movie or TV show or even just like place you've been that you've heard it or that it's come up. That's just been bizarre to you that you can't you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Or maybe any of your any of your songs. Oh, I've heard so many different versions of that song of of Possum Kingdom. Uh, Doherty did a cover of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I heard an acapella version of it. Yeah, That's it's great. Just like it's really interesting. Like, just it's cool. I like I love it. And you know, people like people have asked me before, "Do you ever get tired of it?" And I'm like seeing people get happy and jump around and <laughs> yeah that's, that's dull it's gonna be a yeah. drag yeah. <laughs> I, I remember seeing a dude in a wheelchair moshing to it I, I people were passing a guy in a wheelchair over their head to that song so i yeah I, we, uh, we did um yeah i've gotten a prosthetic leg <laughs> Yeah, like was, was it like someone threw it at you? Like did it just came up on the top of the crowd and made its way up on the stage? And there's a prosthetic leg. Did you did you keep it? I uh, know. That would have been, <laughs> <laughs> been great if if you pan the camera a little to the left and it was sitting there on the table. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, the guy got it back. Uh, so I got to say though, before we go, that I. Um, one of my good friends here in Fort Worth owns the comedy club hyenas and, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going there actually in a, in a week or so. But uh, uh, so we're in there a lot and I really appreciate comics because if a musician gets lucky, they have a handful of songs they play every night and a set they do. And I know comedians, people don't want to hear the same shit over and over again. They don't want to you know, hear it. They don't want to hear it twice. I, I mean, right, it's, it's right. It's, so yeah. I appreciate what you guys do. And I'm like, it's just a different cool thing. Yeah, it's inc- I had a I had a guy come up to me at a club once and was like, you know, I saw you three weeks ago and you did some of the same set. Not even the whole same set. He, he was mad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you saw me three weeks ago, three not weeks 11 ago. years. Like, what do you think? Uh-huh. I just tear up the note cards on my way out the club. Like I'm never doing those again. <laughs> and then, you know, the flip side of that is we, I just walk on stage and I hear play Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I watched, I, I was watching a video of you guys on YouTube from 2001 and you had to tell the crowd, like, we're going to play Tyler fucking relax. <laughs> it's the last song we played. Like you took them, relax. It's coming. <laughs> I've told people it's like we're we're professionals at this, and we have a we know what we're doing, and we're gonna get there. Don't mess it up. <laughs> I'm just glad people are excited to hear it. I also that same show I watched you do. I couldn't tell if this was you being tongue in cheek or if you were a real fan of the song. But you did a cover of Rod Stewart's Hot Legs. And oh, yeah. it was, but it was like slowed down, very bluesy. Like almost like if ZZ Top was recording it. If it was like ZZ right. Top instead of like a Chuck Berry rocker. That's a cool song, man. It's a great yeah. song. And I, it, I we, t- that was a, we called it Hot Leg. I think that was around the, <laughs> around the prosthetic leg time. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was, that's a fun song. 
Yeah, that, well, I'm glad to hear because sometimes, you know, people will record, will will cover things kind of tongue in cheek. And Rod Stewart's one of those guys when I tell people like, oh, he was one of the greatest rock and roll front men oh, hell yeah. of, of all time. And people are oh, like, yeah. the, do you think I'm sexy? Like nobody, people don't know about faces. They don't know about those early albums. They just remember, yeah. you know, the 80s and, and up. Yeah, I don't I don't do a cover song to make fun of it. I mean, I we did a cover of uh, of Heart of Glass. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Heretics. I love that. You know, it's like I was just sitting around when my daughter was about six years ago, and uh, um, and and I was it just kind of came on, and we were listening to it, and I'm like, I just played it again. I'm like, it started. We we just started talking about it, and like the lyrics are kind of real sad. (laughs) Just real sad. And so, uh, which, uh, you know, that's when I started messing around with it on guitar. Well, it's like you said before that you like. It's like sad lyrics to really happy disco music. Yeah, exactly. That you don't yeah. that you don't realize. Like, um, yeah, I love that. I love when I love the same thing. Like when uh, when David Bowie did um, uh, Sound and Vision. You know, yeah. It sounds like such a happy, joyful song, and it's like, no, it's it's about it's about depression. It's about a guy not being able to leave his room because he's so depressed. Right. But right. you listen to it and you sing along, and you're like, well, this is one of the happiest songs ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. All right, that's- Aiden, thank you so much for coming on, um, and uh, go go see the Toadies. They're, if they're in a city by you, you will not. You will not be disappointed. And if you are, fuck you. Like, what do you get? To, you think you get to go? You think you get to go through life without ever being Who do disappointed? You think you are. Yeah. What's your band doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. How many million uh, album? How many million selling albums have you written? Zero. <laughs> get off your high horse, listener. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there in front of people, man. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah. yeah thank you again. for doing it. I'll, I'll see you in October. Cool. Take care. Okay. Take care. Take care.